Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity, the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Tuesday, January 16th. I knew it was going to be inevitable. I made a mistake. I wrote down 2023 on a whole bunch of paper. Something to remember. I don't keep on overdriving my voice here. Uh, so, real simple. The uh, okay, we are on civil rights, right? That's what Martin Luther King is uh, famous for. Civil rights movement. His involvement in that. He wasn't the only one, but he is one of the most. Someone argue the most significant person in that movement. Uh, known a uh, couple of the, uh, folks in that movement over the years. Uh, Conference on Racial Equality uh, had uh, Niger Innes and Roy Innes, his father, rest in peace. Great people. Uh, you talk about the path not taken. Uh, no. Uh, that was one of them, right? Uh, they wanted me to... Uh, go down with them to South uh, to Africa because they were working on an environmental book, and you know I couldn't really swing it. It would have meant that I would have had to take a leave of absence, uh, which I couldn't do right uh, from my uh, gig. It would have been two or three months, and they came up with a book called Eco Imperialism. Uh, they had a lot to do with, it. and what the whole idea was was uh, United Nations was promoting things that were not positively, did not have a positive impact on Africa. And uh, it was an expose. I mean, it's a, you know, an opinion, and it was a criticism of that, along the lines of if you heard of another book, uh, uh, let's, it was written on the, uh, uh, it was written on the UN, I did not prepare anything tonight, so uh, there was a book out in, that came out in 2004, a memoir of three young people who joined the UN during the 1990s, and 
and, uh, and recounts the author's experiences during the United Nations Transitional Authority in Cambodia and UN peacekeeping operations. The name of the book was Emergency Sex and Other Desperate Measures by Heidi Postlewaite, Kenneth Kane, and Andrew Thompson. And uh, there was a lot of, uh, they had a lot of information. I mean, you had to, it's a, one of those period books where you had to be uh, uh, there. And, and it just went into it. But anyway, went into it. But that's the closest I ever got to know anyone from that era in the civil rights uh, movement. Roy Innes. Uh, he liked me and my dad. By the way, I inherited my father's headphones here. So, uh, anyway, when we were cleaning out the house, found his headphones. But anyway, the... Uh, other thing, the uh, so civil rights, right? So you have the whole idea of natural rights in United States and United States culture, United States society, going back to way before uh, the revolution, where we had this idea that we had natural rights. What were they? Basically, we get our rights from nature. And if you don't believe in nature, then God. Or if you don't believe in God, then nature, however you want to look at it. And uh, that's enshrined in our uh, uh, Declaration of Independence. And I'll paraphrase here, right? We are all endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And governments are set up to protect those rights. So... There was a big debate, and you could go back and read the Federalist Papers on all of the stuff going back and forth and a lot of the notes there. I'm not going to claim to be an expert because there are a lot of people out there who claim to be experts in this stuff, and they are not. And as uh, I say about safety professionals, if anyone says they're a safety expert, watch out. Right? Let someone else identify you as one. Don't self-identify as a safety expert. You're going to run into problems every time. But... We have, uh, that's one way of rights, where we have, uh, no, inalienable rights. That we also have, uh, the other idea is that the Bill of Rights in this country, we have 10 Bills of Rights. And so what are the 10 Bills of Rights? Right, we'll go, you could go and look them up, right? The right to free speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, right to keep and bear arms, the Third Amendment, which is... Uh, now, you have a right to be uh, uh, that uh, the government's not going to quarter troops in your house. Never been litigated to anyone's knowledge, but uh, with that uh, un right, so unreasonable search and seizure, be secure, self-incrimination, and going on and on and on. I forget the uh, ninth and the tenth are pretty much the same. Where if the government has to have uh, any hasn't identified any jurisdiction to something, then it goes back to the states or the people, sort of thing. But anyway, you have all of those now under OSHA. The government created another right, and again, they, it's not that they created one; it's that they identified one. They uh, and the rights don't come from government. That's what the idea was uh, back in the day. We've changed, at least one side of the political aisle has changed, and the other, and they're at extremes, right? One saying rights come from government, the other one not, and it goes back and forth. And that's a debate we're not going to get into here because it's never-ending. But what the idea is, is this. The government could identify rights, 
That's how I like to think about it. And I know there are attorneys out there pulling their hair out right now. And one of the rights that they uh, have, right, is this. Uh, is that people have a right, right, uh, to a safe and healthful workplace free of recognized hazards. Right, and that is a right. Uh, and... I'm getting a lot of stuff here and some messages and right. So that's under the OSHA uh, Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970. So you have a right for that, and you and that and then it goes on with everything with that. You have a right to self. Right here, you go. You have a right. I looked up on the OSHA website. They said, check out the OSHA website. Here it is. You have a right to a safe, free, and a free and a workplace free of safety and health hazards. Receive workplace safety and health training in any language you understand. Work on machines that are safe. Refuse to work in a situation which you would be exposed to a hazard. Receive required safety equipment, such as gloves, PPE, or other stuff. Be protected from toxic chemicals. Request an ocean inspection and speak to the inspector. Report an injury or illness. Yes, I have a drinking problem here, right? Spilled iced tea here. Report an injury or illness and get copies of your medical records. You have a right to review records of work-related injuries and illnesses. And you have a right to see results of tests taken to find your workplaces. So if you have an employer or anybody who falls under this, Act under the scope of the act. They're not doing this. They're actually violating your rights. What I have done, and I'm not here to say attaboy, Jim, and promote myself in any way, but what I have done, I was asked by a major university in northern New Jersey to help their worker outreach program. Uh, Basically, they had an outreach to underserved communities and at-risk communities. And what we found out was, especially in African-American communities, Latino communities, and anywhere where there's really a minority, well, especially when you have an immigrant population, you're going to have a situation where the worker does not uh, violate these rights. The worker, the employer does not give information or training, and they don't know what their rights are or anything else. And this is what we've done here with this. So, uh, so when I'm teaching in a university, this is where I, how I approach it. You're dealing with, again, know your audience. The audience, especially the last couple of years, is interested in civil rights. And you explain that having a safe and helpful workplace is a civil right. And when you have employers out there, right, uh, you know, you have other rights too. And you have federal agencies that help protect those rights, OSHA being one of them. And that's what, what OSHA does. Now, we can debate effectively, ineffectively. I was listening to a uh, debate right before we got on, uh, or a discussion would be more accurate on OSHA, and does OSHA need to exist? And it was on another podcast, which we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Uh, and we got all different types of information there. And it was a very interesting and spirited discussion, to say the least. Uh, and it's like this. There was information. I just came across it on the uh, 
I'll mention what I'll give uh, Jay Allen a shout out here. Uh, he has Radio Big on uh, the in Live 365 platform. If you go to the Live 365 platform, there must be hundreds of different radio stations with all different kinds of interests on there. And I came across a political one. We'll go into it tomorrow. And I believe I met this gentleman who runs this a uh, number of years ago when I was in politics. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I was, there was information on there that I heard about. It must have been 2006, 2007. And it's one of those things where I know where to find it. And then I go back and look for it and it ain't there. Right? And I, I mean, like, you know, the, the person that's playing that things greatly. And then today... I'm just listening to this guy as a man. I think I know this guy. Let me listen to him. And they were discussing exactly what it was. And they had a source and everything. I was like, wow, I got to check this out a little bit better. But anyway, I digress. But this is what we do is protect civil rights. And this all came out of the civil rights movement and after World War II. So after World War II, uh, people came back from the war. They got educated through the GI Bill and uh, England went through a little bit of an upheaval, too, because they're like, dude, we just fought a war, and you're treating us as your subjects. Here it was the same thing. You had a lot of people. They won a war. They were all psyched up, confident, and everything else. And this was one of the things that contributed to, eventually, uh, the stuff going on in the 60s all around, social upheaval and everything else going on in there. And, you know, we, that, that's a big, long discussion there but anyway so what's my point here without the civil rights movement you probably wouldn't have these uh epa and osha laws probably what where they've come uh in a very different form and this is what it came down to is rights so what's osha there for it's there to protect your rights as a worker how do they do it they regulate industries in many different ways uh, there, but anyway, that's uh, what I have. That's my home opener, home opener there, and we're gonna go right now to uh, we're gonna go right now to uh, commercial. Our first commercial break. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Sorry, no clowns here today. OSHA Recordables. 
catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. Anyway, uh, what was I working on late last night? My son is uh, my son is uh, a pitcher and a travel pitcher and first baseman in a travel league team, and uh, I applied some of my skills here for uh, his uh, for his uh, thing, right? For what he does, so. What I'm going to do is, if you'll allow me for uh, a minute here, I'm going to go, actually 46 seconds exactly. I'm going to share the video, a little video me and my wife put together last night. Here. Hold on. And hopefully... Uh, oh, I know what I gotta do. I always forget to put this on. There. Okay, here we go. It's January 2024, and James is two months into winter training for TVT season. For the next seven months, we are on the road to Cooperstown for the biggest tournament for 12-year-olds in the country. Enjoy some of his highlights from 2020. Let's start that over again. Come on. Be right, 16 seconds. February 2024, and James is two months into winter training for TVT season. For the next seven months, we are on the road to Cooperstown for the biggest tournament for 12-year-olds in the country. Enjoy some of his highlights from 2023. But we can't do this alone. We need your help. How? We have fundraising activities, including a big one. For $100, you get a chance of winning $8,000, or you can participate in our Super Bowl pool. If interested in the 200 Club or Super Bowl pool, please scan the QR code at the end of this video or contact Debbie or Jim Polson. Thank you for supporting James on his road to Cooperstown. All right, so uh, that's where we came out with using some of our, uh, some might say, some skill here and uh if you're interested please give me a call at 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com now uh i wanted to talk uh very briefly about the uh uh very briefly about what on the anniversary was yesterday it was 15th year anniversary and that was on the uh, flight 1539, I believe it was, on, uh, uh, I don't have it written down, and uh, the Miracle on the Hudson. Now, I have a little bit, no, like our beginning says, you know, usually we're not involved in the stories, but I am involved in a very insula, ancillary way, a very minor way with this. 
All right, so uh, what we had, and if you were uh, on uh, Facebook friends, we checked us out on our Facebook uh, pages this weekend. I put up a uh, thing here for uh, commemorating this. And here. So, uh, basically, this was the story, my post here. It's hard to believe that it's 15 years since this accident miracle. I was in Bayonne doing a project for my Uncle Kenny and Daddy Zofia, Ken's Marine Service, when they received the call for retrieving a plane from the Hudson. Then I was in the office when they received that phone call. That just happened, right? And uh, basically, what they ended up doing was... Uh, he got a phone call, and they said, you got to be kidding me. And no profanity, to their credit. There is never any profanity in that. Those very properly spoken people, very politely spoken people. And they said, really? They said, okay, here we go. And they uh, walked very quickly out of the office and went down to their marina and got the uh, tugboat and a couple of other support craft. These craft, and you can see the pictures at the end of the Sully Sullenberg movie, uh, starring uh, Tom Hanks, called Sully, right? Uh, and were they with the whole thing? And it was very interesting and everything else. They have stories to tell. Uh, both uh, Captain Uncle Kenny, uh, Kenny uh, Pozel, and Captain Gadizov, he got the Merchant Mariners Award uh, for uh, their part in retrieving the uh, plane. Right, not the passengers. Passengers were already uh, offloaded. It only took like 20 minutes to get them all situated and safe after the it landed on the uh, there. But what uh, ended up happening was uh, that had to be moved, right? And then for analysis and everything else, they were involved in that. And I did all of their training. I'm you no, know, I'm did all the training. I did tons of work with my uncle, and you know that was my whole thing with them. My little tiny part. Now, go a couple of years later, and I start learning about HOP, right? Human Organizational Performance, which we've always done here. Always done HOP, right? Human organi we, Organizational Performance. But we didn't know what to call it until I started getting involved with Safety FM. So uh, this is what else I had. Right? I have here. It is a testament to the uh, captain, uh, to Captain Sullenberg, and the crew, and everyone else involved, that this turned out successfully. This is used as a case study in my hop courses, right? Well, I don't really teach an exclusive hop course, but I incorporate it into everything else that I do. So if you're going to be getting a course for me, like this week, at, this week we're doing a, a lockout-tagout course for a client, we're talking about hop, right? Uh, so uh, one day... Uh, no, this actually happened. One day I was training at the Bayonne Dry Dock, uh, which is uh, next to the uh, old military ocean, it is the old military ocean terminal in Bayonne. And I started going into hop with the people at that facility. And what we ended up doing was, I said, son of a gun, this actually happened right outside the window of the classroom. This miracle on the Hudson. Happened literally like right there. Right. So I went into, I said, okay, you remember that? Blah, 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 blah. And we, if you watch the movie, and I don't know how accurate the movie is, uh, 
you learn a lot about how accident investigations often happen. So, the case in point was this was a highly public investigation. Most of these things seem to take place you know, uh, just for hardcore people like me or something like that to follow and to share on the program or what have you. And it's very adversarial, the investigation. Right? And the gentleman... The actor, I should say. I don't know if this actually happened. He was like, well, I don't understand, Dr. Sullenberg, when, uh, you know, what you're doing here, here, Captain, you know, Berger, we don't understand what you're doing here. Well, how you can add to this? And he says, well, if something along the lines of, well, now can we talk seriously about this? And what the agenda of the NTSB, at least according to the movie, was bias, political agendas, politics, right? Blame, shame, and retrain. Hey, you didn't know what you were doing. You're making all the right, all the wrong decisions, blah, blah, blah. And he, and as I've heard, learned about Hop and a couple of the uh, uh, podcasts over the years, Captain Sullenberger was a safety consultant for the FAA. He was up and, you know, he was getting his company started and he had some of the books that we had with him, he read. Right, Todd Conklin's book, Brent Sutton's book, um, Learning Teams, uh, Cindy Decker's books, and all the other books he w- he read. And when he went in front of the NTSB, he was he went into this right. He went into hop. They didn't call it that. And he said, "Well, hey, we had capacity in the uh, system. Basically, capacity in the system. Number one, we had aircraft designers. The uh, responders, the flight attendants, the co-pilots, the co-pilot, the air traffic controller, uh, and everything else. And the context was was that you folks, when you recreated this accident, you knew what the, in the flight simulator, you know exactly how this was going to turn out. Sound familiar? Sounded familiar to me. And number one. Number two, you knew how this was going to turn out. So you biased when you did the recreation of this in the flight simulator, right, with this. And he said, well, why don't you do it the way that we did it? And what the argument was, was when they redid this, he had he had gone back to LaGuardia, could have gone to Teterboro, could have gone here, could have uh, the whole nine yards. And what his whole thing was, well, if you had the information, only information that we had, which... We didn't know. We didn't know that whether the engine was going to restart. We didn't know headings. We didn't know a whole bunch of stuff. Let's let's see it is. And they when they redid them. This is a summary, right? And sure is sure enough, they crashed every time. And he asked, "Well, how many times did they practice this before they got it right?" And the answer was seventeen. Well, we did it on our first thing. They said, well, it was you, doctors, uh, no, uh, Captain Solberg. He said, no, it was everybody in the system. We're a team. We're this. We're that. Right? And that's what the idea was. And that's a very good example for Hop in real life. And I think I want to applaud the movie makers and Tom Hanks for doing this. This was great, what they did here with uh, Hop. And I use this as an example. Now, before we even identify this, one of my clients, uh, an industrial painting client, had a catastrophic incident. And what they, what we set up for them, this was all the way back in 2009, was we're going to have, we're, we don't want this to happen again. 
So rather than shame blame, we, we, no, we didn't shame the people involved that survived. There was two fatalities. We didn't blame anybody. We just said, look, this is what the system was. And this is what the context was. Nobody meant for this to happen, obviously, uh, for this. But what we're going to do is we're going to set the case, set the company, uh, the company uh, culture of one up openness. We're going to get the right equipment. Well, we always had the right equipment. People not doing it or not using it, I don't know. But we're going to make sure we have a focus on setting a atmosphere of safety where we're going to make people go and uh, uh, we're going to set the circumstances so safe, so we could have a successful business, so we can promote right openness, so we could collect data, so we could get, and we don't care what the data is. The data is the data. Right, we're going to go and we're going to prevent injuries. Once you set the tone for people to work safely, no cover-ups, no shame, no blame, no disciplinary actions. And the people who were adversarial were the ones that no, had, uh, that were corrected. We'll leave it at that. Right? Because we're not here to argue, we're here to fix and solve a problem. After like a year or two or three years, guess what happened? No, we had accident management programs in place. We have a, a, no, training in place. We had our Gluvno together, basically. What do you think happened? They went for years with nothing more than a basic first aid case. Right? And that's what happened. And they were able to recoup all of their losses from the accident and in, in like five or six years, and they were doing better and stronger. And now they're stronger than ever. Than ever, they had uh, they had uh, and it's a source of pride for me for years. The lowest uh, experience modification rate of an industrial painting company in the state of New Jersey, right? And that was the only data that we had access uh, to. So, uh, what I'm going to, you know. Uh, there are all, you know, you want to go all the way through here, go on my Facebook page, uh, Jim Polzel. I have it uh, publicly available here. You want to check out some of these other podcasters, Sheldon, uh, Sheldon Primus, right? Uh, .com, diaryofabaldman.com, Alan Warford, friend of the program. Uh, obviously, Jay Allen, right? With safetyfm.com, the rated R safety show. Brent Sutton. Here, with safetyassociates.co.nz, right, the practice of learning teams. You also got the Hop Nerd, another friend of the program, Sam Goodman here, uh, the Hop Nerd, all of And there are, what, like 15 others on our Safety FM network? Check it out with this. I, I mean, it, it is a successful program primarily because uh, we don't uh, – it's uh, – no, I don't. I don't want to call a program. It's philosophy. I misspoke. Hop is a nice philosophy. It complements everything else you're doing, and what it is is once it inserts what people already know in their heart, for the most part, right? And it makes us better safety people with this. And we're able to get along with people, which means we can get influence people better and show leadership and everything else. And that's 
always going to save lives. All right. Here we have. Well, let's go right out. Uh, let's take a quick break here. I got to pour myself something to drink here, and we will be right back with you. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. In an unpredictable world, one voice rises above the chaos. Meet Jim Polzel, a seasoned safety expert who's navigated through some of the most dangerous scenarios from anthrax, explosive cleanups, disasters, and numerous environmental cleanups, and lived to tell the tale. Now, he's bringing his wealth of knowledge, insights, and experiences to you through Safety Wars. From workplace hazards to the hidden dangers in your own home, Jim covers it all. With his engaging storytelling and expert analysis, Safety Wars isn't just a podcast. It's your guide to a safer world. Join Jim Polzel and become part of the Safety Wars revolution. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Safety Wars, your safety is our mission. And here's our message to the our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Human error is normal. Human error is normal. Yes, human error is normal. Right, The first principle of hop. So, uh, and enjoy the musical interview. I came across this. It's called Fallen. Uh, royalty free music here. You're going to be hearing this movie a little bit, and this music a little bit more here. Uh, everything here is royalty so we're not paying anyone we're not getting thrown off the air even though sometimes we get people we had something removed from YouTube I'm like it's royalty free music dude yeah. oh okay we'll, back. we'll be adding to other platforms we're on Rumble we're on Brighteon we're on YouTube uh, Twitter now X couple of Facebook things and Instagram. Now we're going to move right into some of our press releases from OSHA. All right. This is from today. We covered this story one, uh, earlier last year. And for the second time in just over two years, a poultry processing plant in Hadesburg has disregarded safety standards that have led to a worker's death. This time, a 16-year-old sanitation worker was pulled into a machine federal investigators found. I have not read this uh, violation, but what we're probably looking at is lockout tagout stuff. And since we're teaching it this week, we will be including this in the case study. The U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration found that on July 14, 2023, a contract worker employed by a certain company was performing a deep clean of the deboning area at 
the Mark Jack Poultry MS LLC plan. While sanitized in a still energized machine, the teen was caught in the rotating shaft. Again, going back to the at-risk populations and everything, the um, teenagers working on heavy machinery, that is a... Uh, 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 a perfect example. Now, the other thing is this. Depending on, I'm not sure what the laws are in uh, Missouri. However, however, uh, the, uh, however, uh, uh, and a lot of states, this would probably be illegal for a, uh, anybody under, under 18 to do, uh, to, uh, work on this person 16 years old. So this might be an illegal, they might be employing him uh, illegally here. I'm assuming it's a him. It's just saying worker. Uh, investigators found that despite a manager's supervision in and around the area prior to and during the fatal incident, lockout-tagout procedures were not utilized to disconnect power to the machine. And a lockout-tagout device was not used to prevent the machine from unintentionally starting during the cleaning. The company is aware of the, how dangerous the machinery they use can be when the safety standards are not in place to prevent serious injury and death. The company's inaction uh, has directly led to this terrible tragedy, which has left so many people to mourn this child's preventable death. OSHA has cited the company with 14 serious and three other than serious violations. That's, and proposed penalty is... Uh, $212,646. And the agency previously cited the company after May 31st, 2021 incident in which an employee's shirt sleeve was caught in a machine. They were pulled in, pinning their body against the port of the machine's carousel, resulting in fatal injuries. Following the fatal incident in May 2021, the company should have enforced strict safety standards at its facility, P Peter Meyer had added. Only about two years later, nothing has changed, and the company continues to treat employees' safety as an afterthought, putting its workers at risk. No worker should be placed in a preventable, dangerous situation, let alone a child. In addition to the OSHA's investigation, the department's wage and hour division has an open child labor investigation, and the matter is currently pending. Headquartered in Gainesville, Georgia, the company was founded in 1954 and has facilities in Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. The company has 15 days, and again, everything is anyone's innocent until proven guilty, and this stuff gets negotiated and put down. Now, let's go into in-depth here. I imagine there's probably going to be repeat violations here. All right? And this is Mississippi, by the way, not Missouri. I miss... <laughs> I, I, I hate abbreviations. All right. Citation one, item one. Type of violation, serious. 1910.23. Uh, the employer did not ensure that the cap, if equipped, of a and top step of the step ladder that are not used as steps. Second processing. On or about July 14, 2023, employer allowed sanitation employees to use the top rung of and cap of a portable fiberglass step ladder exposing employees to fall hazards of up to approximately nine feet. So if we recall, it's uh, four feet general industry, which is what this is. And this was at the time, the maximum fine proposed fine, $15,625. Citation one item two, 
type of violation serious. And they hit him again, same one. All right, uh, 15,625. Citation one, item three. Type of violation, serious. Except as provided elsewhere in the section, 29 CFR 1910.28, the employer did not ensure that each employee on a walking working surface on an unprotected side or edge that is four feet or more above a lower level is protected from falling by one or more of the systems described. So, uh, blah, blah, blah. no fall protection in the form of a railing or something. All right. Uh, and then we're approximately eight feet above grade here. The employer did not ensure that sanitation employee was protected from falling when performing sanitation work while standing on a drip pan located under a shackle chain. So this employee to a fall hazard of six foot ten inches to the concrete below. Another maximum penalty, 15,625. Citation one item four, procedures are not developed. 1910-147, lockout, tagout. Procedures not developed, documented, and utilized for the control of potentially hazardous material. Serious, 15,625. That's the maximum. Citation one item five. Again, lockout, tagout. Maximum violation, maximum of proposed amount. And this is another lockout tag out, 15625. Another lockout tag out, not via, uh, no, the equipment was not turned off or shut down using procedures. They had no procedures, apparently. Working by hand, 15625, a maximum. Citation one, item eight, lockout tag out, no isolating device, 15625. Boom, boom, boom. 15,625. And for that, and it's going on and on. It's all lockout tagout stuff. No guarding. 1910 212. A maximum penalty of 15,625. We're up to citation one, item 14. Now the punch outs and the electric panels. So you have punch outs. For different wires and everything, they had open holes in them. That's how I'm interpreting this. Based on the description here, we're looking at $8,349. Citation 2, item 1, other than serious. No PPE. Right? Uh, no PPE. So the employees were responsible for providing their own PPE. Citation 2, item 2, other than serious. Each disconnecting means required by subpart S of part 910 for motors and appliances are not legibly marked to indicate its purpose or located or arranged so the purpose was evident. So on the deboning machine, the employer did not ensure that the 480-volt electrical disconnect switch for the front half of the transfer conveyor was legibly marked or identified. That was zero on that one. And... Entrances to rooms and other guarded locations containing exposed live wires are not marked with conspicuous warning signs forbidding unqualified persons to enter. That was the West Electrical Room, on or about, blah, blah, blah. The employer did not ensure that the entrance to the room was marked with signage, so zero. Now, we have July 31st here. 
right? Uh, July 4th. Now, when you look through here, OSHA was there a couple of times with investigations. Now, apparently, and I'm going to draw an inference here. If you know you have a fatality or something like that, fix, hire a consultant, hire a qualified health and safety professional uh, to go and you can call us, 845-269-5772, to try to help you navigate this stuff. And the appropriate thing to do, and they might have done this, but what typically happens is you have a fatality or a visit from OSHA or another regulator, and you say to somebody, I want to go and I want to find out everything that's wrong and I want to fix it, right? What's appropriate and what's not appropriate. That's what normal people do. Here we have, but what happens is people do not understand the regulatory process. They don't sit up here late at night. I wish they did watching safety wars or downloading safety wars where you learn what you need to do. They just say, oh, well, this is a joke at social. What do I know? Ah, no, it's a joke. It's a joke. Not enough. They're going to leave me alone. Or, you know what? That guy's or gal is a real, you know, uh, they're being too serious. And they sometimes the uh, one of the strategies that's used by an auditor is that they play good cop, bad cop sort of thing. They pretend to be your friend. They're an auditor. They're a regulator. Are they bad people? No, they're not bad people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that they got a job to do. They have to investigate. They have to do, and sometimes they issue, not all the time, a lot of times they don't. They have to issue some type of citation, especially when you have obvious safety hazards. That's their job. People don't understand that. I get it all the time. Well, those bleeping, bleeping, well, look, they're doing their job. Had you not had the situation happen, guess what? This might not have happened. So let's try to fix this, how it happened. Let's find out what the context is. We're not here to shame, blame, and retrain people. We're here to find out to the bottom. Instead of a root cause analysis, we're going to go out and actually find out what we're doing here, what actually happened. And then we're going to go and we're going to fix the problem. So if they show up, meaning OSHA or any other regulatory agency, they identify problems, you may want to click in the back, oh, maybe I should have somebody in here tell me what the hell is going on. That's what we're here for. They apparently didn't do this because and that's very common. And they and you know, because a lot of these company owners are very smooth talkers, a lot of them. Uh they go in there and they get themselves into trouble. It's like, well, you know what? You probably shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. You probably shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. And oh, you probably well, did you know you have to do this and you're supposed to uh have all this stuff uh, you know, they have a focus investigation, right? That doesn't mean you take them on a tour of the entire facility. You take them to the area and, you know, all this type of stuff like that. Anyway, we're going to uh, go to, uh, that's all we have to say on that. And uh, totally unnecessary, obviously, with this. And rest in peace. Now, here, and this is what I yell and scream about. With my kids, uh, not really, but, you know, uh, I'm very adamant about it. What don't my children wear, uh, especially at home in my presence? 
I'm holding my headphones. And then they said, well, dad, you listen, you have your headphones on when you're on the, you know, doing this. I said, well, I haven't turned all the way down to the lowest level I can here. Uh, just to make sure everything's going through. And that's it. I, you rarely ever see me with a pair of earphones unless I'm on like a plane or in a public area or maybe even driving a little bit where uh, I don't have Bluetooth, that sort of thing. Uh, in my one vehicle, I don't have Bluetooth. It's an over Bluetooth. It's an older vehicle. So I might wear headphones, right, in accordance with the law, right? And here, and I said, look, you're going to blow out your freaking eardrums. You're going to have problems here with hearing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and what I'm finding out, especially in the construction industry, people, I don't know if it's from more awareness or people are playing more and more video games or wearing headphones more. You, fo- you have people who are, have a hearing loss. Now, in the workplace here, what do you do? If you're in general industry, it's very, you know, or, you know, send a person, you hire a person, oh, we're going to send you out for a hearing test. That's what you do. And it's well worth it because later on, uh, when they, when, if and when they, uh, you don't know how things are going to turn out, they don't blame you for their hearing loss and you don't end up with a worker's comp injury over it where it's a recordable. You're like, well, I, you know, well, uh, he's wearing headphones. Well, do you have that documented? was wearing headphones all the time. And here's the other thing that happens. People go and they get, there are certain, and I'm not going to mention brands, there are certain earphones that are shaped like earplugs. And they people, you think, and some of them have noise reduction ratings, some of them don't. 99% of them don't. People wear those. And what do they do? They jam the volume up to maximum. So now they're getting a double dose. They're getting, a, a, you know, no point to it. The other thing that people do is they get regular earbuds, right? Which have no rating on them. And I have my old ones somewhere here. But anyway, and they put them in and they say, well, they're noise canceling. And they have, they feel that they could, if they drowned out all the other noises around them, they're not going to be harmful to their hearing. And you hear this all the time. Oh, I don't care about hearing. I don't care. My daddy was uh, uh, hard to hear. My grandfather, my uncle. My, well, I'm going to tell you, it's a hellish type of thing, right, to lose your hearing. My mother, because of a medical condition, had lost her hearing, right, not related to loud noises, had lost her hearing. She didn't hear anything for over 15 years. But the problem went on long before that. And guess what? Hearing aids did not help so much. So here we have a study out of Charleston, South Carolina. Gamers are at risk of going deaf or developing tinnitus, which I have uh, because of my cleft lip cleft palate, because of excessively loud sound levels on their gaming consoles, medics warn. Researchers say that the sound levels coming from gaming consoles can spike to short bursts of 119 decibels, equivalent to the noise of a bulldozer or motorbike. Or I'm going to say walk-behind saw that are rated at 119 decibels at the source. Frequently, these sound levels are close to or exceeded safe limits, the highest levels reaching 89 decibels, similar to those of a vacuum cleaner, food blender, or people shouting. Prolonged exposure to anything over 85 decibels can lead to hearing loss or tinnitus. 
The conclusion, this conclusion comes from an analysis involving 50,000 people worldwide. Experts, and this is from studyfinds.org, author, uh, no author lifted, listed. <coughs> Pardon me. This, uh, experts from the World Health Organization, the Medical University in South Carolina, are calling for increased public health efforts to make people aware of these risks. While there have been numerous studies on music venues, headphones, and earbuds in relation to music, less attention has been paid to video games and esports. Gamers often play for hours to high-intensity sound levels, potentially causing hearing damage on the world's 3 billion gamers. I tell you what, it's not fun uh, living with tinnitus, especially when it flares up. Uh, the study was covered in BMJ Health, uh, BMJ Public Health. Uh, but anyway, the this article was on risk of sound-induced hearing loss from exposure to video games, esports, and systemic way. Study by Lauren Dillard, Peter Mulas, Karin Dare, Xi Jing Fu, and Shelley Chad Chada. I got Xi Jing Fu, but I can't get Shelley Chada. Pronunciation. Go figure. Anyway, again, well, how are you going to manage it with occupational hearing loss? I'm going to, I tell all uh, my clients, oh, why aren't you sending them out, you know, for a audiometric exam upon hiring? Oh, well, that gets a lot of money. I said, you know what's a lot of money is an OSHA recordable. Oh, uh, how come you don't supply uh, hearing protection, earplugs, earmuffs? Uh, well, we don't have to. I don't want to. This uh, blah, blah, blah. costs too much money. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you really got to do that. And by the way, as I always say, the apps on the smartphones have ended so many arguments, so many arguments on whether hearing protection is uh, necessary or not. So that's what I got for tonight. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with some other insightful information here. And uh, just remember, what do we call, talk about? It's your right to a safe and healthful workplace. Talked about Flight 1549, 15th anniversary in human organizational performance. We talked about lockout tag and we talked about hearing loss. As usual, Safety Wars is all over the place. And as far as I know, we're like the only uh, broadcast out there that covers this type of stuff like this live. So anyway, we are on Rumble. Uh, we are on Brighteon. We are on YouTube. We're on many other platforms. Uh, give us a visit at, as uh, Safety Wars. And uh, if you're interested in contributing to my son's uh, thing, uh, baseball Efforts, uh, give us, uh, you know, it's not only his, but it's the team. Uh, we're raising money for Cooperstown. Uh, get, you know, contact me. I have a raffle going, and we got a football pool going, that sort of thing. So for Safety Wars, this is uh, Jim Polzel, and we're going to... Uh, let's go here with the outro video. Hold on. And doo -doo -doo. I forgot to have this up and running here. By the way, this is copyright 2024. 
Okay. And we're just going to have to do this off the soundboard because uh, the video stream kicked out on us. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Good night, everybody.